Collaboration. Collaboration. Radio. Here we go. Radio killed the video star, but we are still trucking on episode 34, I believe. Wow. Sweetness. Sweetness. And we have a sweet show with the the two Marias. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Clabber Action Radio. We're here at the intersection of art, activism, and social change. That was the queen of house music, DJ Lady D, with our intro. She was our guest last week. She's amazing. And just voted uh, best DJ, I believe, in Chicago by uh, the readers of The Reader. The readers, the reader readers. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us on WCPT 820 AM. We're here live in the studio at 5400 North Milwaukee with the big antenna stretching up, 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 and sending waves out to the world. Chicago's Progressive Talk Radio. We're also streaming right now live on Facebook. What's up? <laughs> I did so, I did a lot of... Uh, Finger work last week. I thought it was kind of fun for D song. What's this? And you, I think you two are in a two shot there. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Um, and you can also get this uh, after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere. Thank you, Alex. You get oh, your actually. digital stuff. I am Anthony Mosley, and I'm here with my favorite person in the world. Hi, everyone. This is Sandra Delgado, Sandra Maria Delgado. Sandra's uh, been doing some co-hosting, and uh, it's always good to spend time with Sandra. And we have a very um, special guest. We're going to introduce her in a moment. Um, Sandra, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying the sunshine today. Thank goodness for the sun. It always helps. Sun is shining. Yeah, it does. Um, I guess that's why one of the good things of being deprived of the sun for so many months. You know, I have been just really taking my vitamin D. And I just want to remind everybody that if you live north of St. Louis, you are in the vitamin D deficiency belt. You Mm -hmm. cannot get enough vitamin D even if you eat sushi every day. It's true. So you need to take some vitamin D. And I, I plummet my vitamin if I don't. So I've been on the regimen of vitamin D and, and I'm, feel, I'm, I'm feeling much better. I have more energy than I was six weeks ago. The other thing that's going on with me that I'll just share with our listeners quickly because it's really interesting is that I had a little knee injury and I was stretching and heating and cooling and stretching and heating and cooling and it didn't go away. So I went to the doctor, they put me on some steroids and I'm on day four of those today. My knee's feeling better and I can smell again. Anthony stopped smelling things (laughs) about six years ago, I think. He lost his sense of smell. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I can smell again, and it's really kind of weird. <laughs> I had gotten used to not smelling things, and now I'm like, "Is that me?" <laughs> oh, thank God, that's not me. But I have a very tolerant, um, amazing partner who <laughs> loves me for my smells. <laughs> so that's what's going on here. Um, Collaboration Radio 
is sponsored by the Joseph and Bessie Feinberg Foundation and donors and members like you. You can email info at collaboration.org or just go to collaboration.org to learn more. And you can buy an ad package or become a sponsor or you can pitch us a PSA or promote your favorite thing as long as it's connected to art, activism, and social change. Today's episode of Clever Action Radio is sponsored by AV Chicago, Chicago's leading provider of AV production and event management services. When you need to light it up, call AV Chicago. They got the tech geeks to get it done. And Ethos Collective, Ethos Event Collective is a purpose. Sandra, listen to this description and tell me okay. if you think we are a good match for this company. Okay. Th- All right. is a, a purpose-driven destination and event management company that seeks to become a trusted strategic ally to your business as we create authentic experiences that align with your goals. Delight your audience and generate impactful outcomes. Yes. We must share the same copywriter. <laughs> EthosEventCollective.com. Hit them up if you need to. Call them. If you need to bring a, a, a bunch of people into the into the country, into Chicago, and show them the time of their life. Delight your audience. We are a 27-year-old nonprofit collaboration is, and our mission is to build knowledge, empathy, dialogue, and action. You know, we call that KEDA. K-E-D-A. Mm-hmm. Knowledge, empathy, dialogue, and action. That's our methodology through live theater, film, radio, podcasts <laughs> that leverage the power of storytelling and community to cultivate positive social change. And today's guest is doing just that. And she'll be joining us in just a moment. Collaboration news and updates. Oh, what can we say? We have auditions for The Light right now, our youth program of artists and activists. I was down at the Gary Comer Youth Center in South Shore. What a facility. Oh, my goodness. What a gorgeous facility. If you are under the age of 20 or over the age of 19, either one, and you live within a mile of the Gary Comer Center, get over there because they have an unbelievable facility with so much going on. I think they were doing free haircuts today. What is it? Is it a park district? It's a super, I don't know. It has an NBA basketball court with a stage. It's the the best community center I've ever seen. Yeah, it is. So the light last, the last rounds, we were at shy uh, Chicago high school for the performing arts on Tuesday. Saw some amazing young people over there. Um, and we have, uh, uh, couple more auditions. So any young people 14 to 19 that are artists and activists that have something to say about how they want to make the world a better place or a more equitable place, go check out collaboration.org forward slash the light and audition. Audition, they get paid. It pays. They, yes. get, they get paid 18 bucks an hour. Right. Cultivate I mean, artist activists I worked in, in Chicago. I, I worked in theater for 20 years before I was getting $18 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Sad and true. <laughs> Pre-pandemic. Um, what else? Uh, Clever Action Radio. We had a bunch of great guests the last month. Go check that out and listen to those podcasts and like and share and subscribe and take the little notes because we had amazing people last month. Tanika Lewis-Johnson, DJ Lady D, David Cherry, 
Oran. Next week, we have Miranda Gonzalez of Urban Theater Ooh, Company coming in. Amazing. And then after that, we have Maida McNeil. Oh, my gosh. Of Honeypot Performance. Wow, yes. Project. Two powerhouse yeah. Chicagoans. But today, we have Maria Pike. Yeah. We have Maria Pike. And Maria Pike is... Well, we did some research about Maria Pike. She's a friend and a collaboration board member. But man, her resume is, how did you do all of those things in one life? Are you a vampire? Have you been around? You worked in hotels. She did hotels. Real estate. She had an antique store. (laughs) Flipping houses. Yeah. Actually, some people tell me, you know, who's your clone? (laughs) Yeah, clones. Yeah, and you are everywhere. You're all over Chicago. She is, she is, uh, she is one of our mothers who has dedicated herself to make Chicago a better place. And, um, you know, I, I, Collaboration did a show called Crime Scene, a Chicago anthology back in 2012. And it was really about us trying to get to the bottom of the root cause of violence in Chicago. And I was just very ignorant at the time. And I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to know better. And, um, I wanted to do better. I wanted to know more and do better. And we started and we made a show about the root cause of violence. And, um, you know, come to learn a lot. And some of the things that I learned was that hurt people hurt people. And sometimes hurt people heal people. Very rarely in a, a magical kind of spirit, you'll find somebody who, when they are hurt as deeply as one can be hurt, instead of lashing out at the world, they love out at the world. And and that is what Maria Pike um, does. She is a major Chicago peacemaker, coalition builder. She's a national gun safety advocate. And she ties together so many different communities and people in the city so we're just honored to have Maria it's here with us. amazing to be here with you. Oh. <laughs> I am the one who is honored to be here. <laughs> yes. So it, we kind of see you as a superhero. So tell everybody the Maria Pike origin story. How well, did you get here? Well, it's, you know... It, and get nice and close to that mic so we can really okay. hear you. Well, my story began with the death of my son, Ricky. He was killed in August 3rd, 2012, in Logan Square. He had just moved from my home mm. two months earlier. And it really, you know, my, my bubble burst because I was one of those moms who, you know, mind her own bus- minded her own business, who was pretty private. And I am naturally very shy, which is funny because I have to face so many situations every single day and I have to speak up because my voice now is the voice of my son and um, my son loved Chicago he had zillions of friends from all different cultures races uh, geographical areas in uh, and he was deeply loved Um, and I actually found that about that uh, at the funeral because the the church was um, it was full and there were people outside and I was like 
we were a family of four, and mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of friends, and I don't have families in in here in Chicago. So that was um, that was something that I uh, uh, that was so emotional for me, and <clears throat> and um, I decided that I was gonna first of all. I had to find out why someone killed someone they didn't even know. And, um, and um, I, ended up ha- I ended up walking the streets, plastering. A friend of mine gave me 4,000 flyers. I, I didn't put them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, every time in Logan Square, every time somebody pulled the, uh, my flyer, I would paste them again. I would put another one and another one, and I would knock on doors. And some um, residents would, you know, they wouldn't want to talk to me at the front door. They wanted to talk to me in the garage about what was going on in the community. And uh, it was just the kind of um, compassion they felt for me. Mm -hmm. And I will be forever grateful. Uh, The site where it happened, actually, they allowed me for 10 years to every year... Uh, on August the third, I go there before the uh, about the time where he was killed. He was killed at four fifteen, so I go there and I leave flowers for people to pick up, mm-hmm. roses for people to pick up in his honor. And um, they allowed me to do that for ten years. You know mm-hmm. that was amazing, and um, and I think I found that the community, if you dig deep and if you walk the streets and if you talk to people one-on-one, they're willing to listen to you and they're willing to share their story because each one of us has a different story. Every single murder in, in the city or everywhere, anywhere is actually unique. There is no single homicide that is similar to another. So it's very difficult. They're very difficult situation to work on um and um i had to walk through the the judicial system to the courts i had to wait seven years but i was one of the blessed ones who actually um had um the person in in custody you know unfortunately and uh that's where we i i learned to um i met someone whose name his name is xavier at the University of Chicago, because I was a big-time investigator. I wanted to know from everywhere, and not necessarily the, the, the newspapers. So I met this, this, young, this young man at um, the University of Chicago. They were having a summit. His name was Xavier, and Xavier was a returning citizen. And Xavier was asking for forgiveness and talking about how much it pained him to remember the day, it's the 27th, uh, the day and uh, how, how he, you know, he was looking for, for forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he was doing amazing work at that point in time. And he was working with uh, trying to eliminate uh, the life sentences for youth, uh, the incarcerated and... Um, Incarcerated the Children Advocacy Network. And through the years, he has been able to help eliminate that in many states. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's worked every single day of his life, uh, um, not uh, atoning for what he did 
and he has uh, he called me on on that in December when I met him. He was very embarrassed to meet me and my friend because we were survivors of gun violence, and he was you know on on the other side of the fence. Um, but he called me on that December, and he said he was in true. He was grieving. He truly was grieving. He was crying. Uh, and I and I was also crying because December is horrible for survivors. And we, the two of us, were, you know, talking about, you know, forgiveness. And I thought about it for a couple of days, and I realized that I I was going to forgive what um, this other young man did to my son, but he had to be accountable for it. And a huge weight came out of my shoulders because I had spent almost two years without sleeping, with anger, hate, um, you know, wanting to get even, you know, hiding on, the, on, on, my, on, my, on my car at the wee hours of the morning trying to see which gang because it was a gang member who killed him um, which you know which gangs I could seek before they arrested him I didn't know who it was I wanted to see what what they were doing in the middle of the night Um, and then um, unfortunately after seven years um, he was you know by law he had to be 80 years in prison Basically, he was going to die in prison, and I do not believe in 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 you know um, in, in um, such long terms. I think that he could have been he could be redeemed and he could learn uh, because, after all, Xavier became such an amazing human being. He was raised at age thirteen. He was being raised in in prison, but he had a lot of supporters who loved him, who who wanted to help him. You know, um, Father um, Father Kelly was one of them, um, and so um, you know, why not? He he could redeem himself. I don't need anything from him, um, but he owes it to his family to become, to find his God, to educate himself, so that when he came out of of prison. He could be a role model for his children. Mm. You know, he was very young, but he had already like three children, I believe. Um, unfortunately, this year I, I went through a very. Um, they they had called me the previous year to tell me that there was a technicality that they were gonna because of that technicality they were gonna have to start again. <gasps> Start his sentence again? His trial. The trial. Oh, the trial. Yeah, the trial. And um, the only witness who was also shot, um, he really was reluctant to come. He had moved to different states. I mean, he has PTSD big time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't want to come. I convinced him to come. And when he was doing um, uh, his deposition, they were saying that they had to postpone it because they had to investigate uh, issues that had nothing to do with the murder itself. But uh, at that time, you know, 
he told me, this young man told me, I am not going to come back. I can't come back. So uh, we decided, the, the, the you know, attorney general decided to give him a an offer. He, he couldn't refuse. But um, that was beyond my, they didn't consult me for that. That was a decision that they made based on their experience, you know, and um, they decided to give him 20 Twenty years at uh, at fifty percent, which means that the day after we were in court, he was released. Mm-hmm. Now that's where we, we we talk about you know forgiveness and accountability. I don't wish him anything. I actually want him to do well, but I know in my heart because I have been working in these spaces, you know. Uh, in 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 prison as well, um, that he's not ready. the The day that he took the plea deal, he announced in public that he took the plea deal because his family needed him, but he was still innocent. Oh. Mm. So that right away tells me he's not taking responsibility for what he did. He's not accountable. And I pray that he's not going to be hurting the community in the future. You know, that was a really bad situation. But, um, and and then something really weird happened that same month. I, uh, three days later, I was um, called, I was asked to go, you know, to go to the Bulls stadium. And I had uh, told them, um, Joachim Noah, the Joachim Noah Foundation, and I had told them I wanted, my, my son was a huge fan, and he wanted his ashes, you know, over there. And so Joachim helped me accomplish some of that. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I, ha- I was walking, came home, parked, all of a sudden I get carjacked. <gasps> so I am like thinking about this. I hope they don't take my bag because there are some, you know, some, his ashes, some of his ashes are there. I hope they leave his picture alone in my car, the car that they were carjacking. And they held me, they stranglehold me, and I was on the floor, and I could only see legs. And I could tell right away that they were very young Hispanic kids. And um, so I said, and then my son's image kept coming, you know, kept coming. So I said to to the guy, to the kid who was holding me, uh, I said to him, you know, son, uh, why, why are you doing this to me? I already lost my own son. Lo and behold, he didn't answer. He didn't say anything. But when when they were finishing, you know, getting into the car, doing the stuff, there were four of them. Um, I was trying to stand up. He released me, but I couldn't stand up. So he grabbed me from one arm, trying to lift me. And then he called the other kid, one of the other kids to help me stand up. Right. And what did I learn from that? I learned that you can talk. You can talk with your heart to people that are actually those knuckleheads who are still in my car. But then he found enough uh, compassion or even empathy 
to realize it could be my mom, mm. you know, yeah. because of where they are at in, in this thing. That was the, the night after the Bulls game? The night after the Bulls game. I was coming back. It was around 10, 10 wow. in the evening. And I was just floating on air, you know, yeah. because mission accomplished, right? Um, and somebody came from behind and threw me to the ground. <coughs> and this happened. But the lesson that I learned, I was very upset, you know, but what I learned was that I should never give up on the kids. Never. If you thought I was going to give up now, you're totally wrong because these knuckleheads show, you know, while they were still in my car, they show compassion. And then I heard that on the north side, there had been like eight, um, you know, crimes committed after like 90 minutes after. Um, but the, And they saw the plate. They read you know, one of those um, blue lights. They saw my, the plate of my car on Belmont and Lakeshore Drive. And that's around the area where these eight crimes happened. So for sure. And then they said that they had guns. So basically, I feel that once again, my son came to the rescue and uh, probably told me, tell them about me. And I did. And that's why they spare me, you know. Um, but on the other hand, I, I know that I know that those kids are, you know, are can be redeemed. They, you know, we need to talk to them. How are, how are we going to grow empathy in a world where our kids do not feel the love of their families or the, the community itself? And, 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 you know, and, and actually become uh, good citizens eventually. That has, it's not there anywhere. You know, civics is so important right now. People don't, we have to go back to civics and understand why we as children have rights and adults have rights and why we behave in certain ways, you know, like the bus, you know, right? Why are you living you know, have a bunch of children sitting on the elderly bus mm -hmm. and they will not move, right? Right. Well, there's a reason for that, right? The physical reason why elderly need, need those spaces, but nobody's talking about civics and your role in community. So, yeah, that's the story. And then I actually, uh, I was invited to, to go to, con to Congress um, at the uh, early in 2013, after the Sandy Hook um, um, a shooting, um, by the by the organizations that you know in Sandy Hook, the Newtown Action Alliance, they invited us. They paid for our stays and um, they walk us through Congress, and we were actually we learned to lobby with them, and uh, and uh, we were not the two horned people that they thought Chicago parents were. Oh wow! You know, I think that was sort of uh, being the first time. I think they they were sort of shocked to know that hey, this mom can be my mom. You know, they are not corrupt people. They are not you know gangbangers. They are not you know they're just plain human beings who lo who lost their ch their their children and they want uh, gun violence to be you know to be um, prevented by 
you know, closing the loopholes that exist currently in our system. So that was one. And, and then eventually I, I went to Englewood to many organizations, Rage, Teamwork Englewood, Growing Greater Englewood, uh, Growing Home. Um, there are so many small mom and pops organizations. Like I would consider Tina Hammond her own organization. <laughs> uh, She's got a great yard, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. She is a great gardener. And um, she has all the flowers that we have been donating to to mom survivors. Every June at Wear Orange, we give them perennials. Mm. And she has them all. So uh, she plants them every year so I can visit. Um, So that's, you know, the connection that starts, right? And uh, one of the things about me is that when you see me, you see an Asian woman. Right. And people say, what the hell is this woman doing here? Mm. You know, they question your presence. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is that even in Hispanic spaces. And so I have to say, well, you know, my parents, my on my dad's side were, you know, Chinese. My mom's side were actually mulatto and and, uh, Hispanic. Ah, so I actually have all kinds of uh, blood in me, mm-hmm. but the way I look is the way they see me, and that's the reaction I get, right? Until you know we establish that um, productive conversation about why I'm there and why I'm interested in your story, and and um, because I think storytelling is super important, and also. Um, I don't, you know, I am like an elephant mom. I lost my child, but I am looking for other, other uh, little elephants to to nurture, and that's the way I feel about what I do. And we cannot be in silos forever, you know. Oh, you know, I only cover this part of violence, or I only cover this part of the root causes of. Um, of gun violence and poverty and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. No, we all must work together. You know, I remember Miss um, Fo- um, Fox, uh, Kim Fox, um, she saw me in, in the different spaces, you know, and she said to me, oh, you're everywhere. And I said, well, I, I, I think you may, you're thinking that I'm crazy, but there is a... a a, you know, a, a method for my madness. Uh, I do believe that we are all connected. And uh, she understood that, you know, I, I, I think that the more we are connected that unify, the more our voices, that we actually talk about our truths and our stories, mm-hmm. the more we're going to have that kind of energy to move our issues forward. And our issues have to do with poverty, disenfranchisement, gun violence. And, um, and also, you know, we need to not only do that here at, at city level, we have to do it at state level. We have to do it at federal level. Luckily, uh, you know, uh, Governor Pritzker has been fantastic. You know, he, he has so far five... Uh, five laws that he has signed protecting, you know, gun violence prevention. His latest was, was PICA, you know, Protecting Illinois Communities Act, which has been amazing. Ours became the ninth state that, pro, uh, that actually passed a law banning assault weapons ban, 
band capa uh, high capacity magazines and switches. And why am I saying switches is because it directly affects the community of Chicago. Switches are very cheap and you can get them anywhere. Mm. Online, you can get them for twenty dollars. You just put it on your on your gun, and it becomes a semi-automatic or wow. weapon. So that's very dangerous for us. So uh, we're very happy that he he um, he decided went for that because I think the you know uh, the caucuses, you know the black uh, caucus, the women's caucus, they wanted to include. Also switches because, you know, high capacity magazines, AR-15s, they tend to be the favorite weapon of choice. That's the weapon of choice for mass murderers. Mm. And those murders tend to happen mostly in areas outside the, you know, outside the cities like Chicago. It happens in the suburbs, you know, in, in schools and all of that. So, Yeah. <laughs> Wow. We're here with Maria Pike. Uh, and if you want to call in with a comment or a question for us, you can call 773-763-WCPT. That's 773-763-9278. You know, you said something. You and I had a conversation earlier in the week. And I talked to you, and I actually talked to Sandra about this, too, about the left and the right side of your brain being the linear and the intuitive side of your brain. Right. And intuitive also is also creative, social, emotional intelligence, imagination. <laughs> and I would say that your son, it was your intuition that allowed you to hear your son send you that message to tell those boys about him. Yeah. That is intuition. <laughs> Excuse me. And you know what? Um, he always sends me messages. And I, please, people, believe me, it is true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and um, there are millions of, of uh, people who have lost their loved ones and have had experiences yes you know yeah. that was the, our their energy doesn't go away the body is no longer with us but the energy is with us so um and i i i, I think it it is important to recognize for me that uh who i do this for and what he wants me to do you yeah. know for me a big a big uh Part of moving beyond grief is recognizing um, and taking the time to listen and to hear our loved ones from the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, my father, after he passed away uh, in 2001 from complications from fighting cancer, I was a wreck for a while and I would always want to call my dad. And pick up the phone and tell him something. You know, if I had a question or something excited, call my dad. And I'd either tell him or I'd ask him, hey, I got this thing in the mail from the insurance company. <laughs> and uh, But after he died, I would pick up the phone to call him. And then I would remember that he was dead. And I would get really sad for about a half hour. I would ruin my afternoon, you know. And one day I was shooting a commercial in Los Angeles. 
That was kind of a big deal. And I got, it's checked into the hotel room. My dad had been gone for maybe six months. And I went to go call my dad. And I said, and I started to get sad. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to make the phone call. I said, hey, dad. He said, hey, bud. I said, I'm here at the hotel in L.A. It's so cool. He's like, that's great. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, I booked a commercial. You're going to rock it. You know, I had the conversation with him. Yeah. And uh, and it really helped me move past my grief. And so I just want to throw that into the into the universe because I think right. it's important. Yeah. And, um, you know, why is it that I think that what you're doing is so pivotal and so important, right? And when we were talking about the right side of the brain and the left side of the brain, in places like, you know, the southwest side and Englewood and far south side and, and also the west West Side, some places in the West Side, <clears throat> we, our, our school system is underfunded. I don't know what is going on right now, but at the time uh, uh, before the pandemic, uh, the schools were underfunded. And they, um, the first thing that went because of the way they allocate the money, right, is a per head count. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of schools that were shut down because you had a humongous, you know, 1,000-room um, school, and there were only 178 or 180 students. Right. So those were the ones that were, uh, four of them closed uh, uh, in the, few, the last few years in Englewood to create a STEM high school. But one of the things that that I found out was that the first thing that goes is arts, sports, sometimes chemistry, because wow. they cannot fund it, you know. And and the teachers there, the principal, I met this principal who was young and heroic. She was trying her best to get whatever she could, even, you know, uh, doing, you know, sort of fundraisers to, to get the kids what they needed, uniforms, things like that. So what happens to these kids? They're actually being denied the, the development that is the development of that side of the brain, which is so important for creativity, empathy. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and if you uh, we are talking about, you know, how kids are aggressive or in certain areas, you know, there's so much violence, this and that. Well, duh. Why is it that there is so much um, disenfranchisement in education in certain parts of the city, whereas in the north side, when COVID took place, you know, I, had, I have a lot of friends who are teachers and a lot of friends who are moms and in the, in the north side and in the suburbs and everywhere, right? So the north side moms said, well, no big deal. We have computers. We have access and... And, you know, I, I can do it from home. Uh, forget, forgetting <coughs> that almost 80,000 children in the system didn't have computers at home, didn't have Internet access at home. And the parents many times had two jobs. You know, they were essential workers, some of them. And in places like Little Village, you have parents who love their kids, but they have to work and they have to leave the kids alone. And they don't have, and some of them don't have the education to be able to, to uh, you know, to uh, help 
their kids with math or or whatever you know um, courses they need to be helping. So we totally ignored that, and we also ignored that you know eighty thousand kids after months of wrangling, they got their computers, but it shouldn't be. Our, our yeah. most vulnerable youth were left behind when they needed us the most. Exactly. And 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 yes, I mean, and I'm I'm excited. Mayor Johnson is is really seems to be taking some big steps at changing the education system, and also, um, you know, taking down the TIFFs, the whole TIFF thing. But imagine school without sports. Or art. That is called a place of no fun. <laughs> and if you are a kid and you have to go to a place of no fun mm-hmm. five days a week mm-hmm. to do math and, and you know, no offense, you know, I know everybody's phone can do it now, but um, it's when the aliens look at us. You know, when the Martians take a look at how we do things, they say, well, of course it turns out this way. This is how... It's the consequence. It's the design. Right. It was done by design. You know, the the, the kids here see that the kids over here are actually have everything and they have nothing. So that contributed to their mental well-being as well. And we have actually two and a half years of lack of socialization that affected them. Yeah. And and that's why we had in 2021 so much crime, right? And now, even carjacking, 300% increase, over 300% increase in carjackings. The carjackings is a phenomena that started with isolation, COVID-19, and the Internet. Yeah. Mm. So right now, you know, you, you don't feel safe anywhere. But on the other hand, it is that we cannot stop our efforts to help the community, not only to help the the families who have been affected by gun violence and homicide overall, and the kids who suffer the consequences of the loss of their siblings, of their parents, of whoever. Because if you're telling me, hey, um, the kids don't need help, it's the parents, that's totally wrong. We have to approach the health healthcare treatment for the parent as much as the kids, as the young kids. And the kids are the parents of tomorrow. I exactly. Mean, and you can never start too early. Correct. The first 18 months of your life pretty much lay the foundation and the ceiling for your capacity to love and give love. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it is like they say that, you know, not everybody's born with empathy and and how you need to grow it. How do you grow it? By providing care in the first years of the of their lives, of the the kids lives. And that is not happening. And, and, you know, you're saying, oh, the parents don't care. Then I am not to I'm not I will never criticize uh, criticize a parent for what is happening to their kids because I do not know the story behind that parent. I do not know whether it is domestic violence. I do not know if if this parent has two, three jobs, which is not uncommon in you know, in places that uh you know, little village, right? And back of the yards. And it's sometimes not not so much in Pilsen, but yeah, that's that's those are things that we need to work on. Um 
our kids deserve to develop that part of the brain to become whole human beings, productive members of the community. It's not only the math part of it and, you know, the, um, the what do you call it, the, um, the logical part of it. It's also that part that grows their empathy, grows their creativity, grows the, you know, the, the, um, their, the world that they live in through the arts. Maria, one, one of the things that really resonated with me when you were telling us your superhero story was the power of the one-to-one interaction. And I think when people think, oh, I want to help, I want to plug in, they think that it has to be this big, grand gesture, but we really underestimate the power of one-on-one. And, and your story is such a inspirational story of the difference that one person can make. So I'm just wondering to everyone listening out there, what what comes to mind for you as a way for people to plug in, whether it's supporting Chicago's youth or advocating for gun safety? What are things that come to mind that someone can do? Well, um, you know, a daily act of kindness mm. goes a long way. You don't have to be a millionaire. Many, many uh, advocate, ad- activists in Englewood don't have a penny, but they do the work. You know, they volunteer, they do it for the community, etc. So you don't have to have money. All you need to do is have, you know, commit yourself to acts of kindness in your community and for, and, and for others. It's, it's very important to serve. And also, um, you know, uh, join, join organizations that are working on gun violence prevention, domestic violence, and organizations that are serving the public, like New Life Centers of Little Village. I mean, they're doing a fantastic job. They have, um, I believe they have so far like 3,000 uh, apartments that they have served. Wow. You know, yeah. And I understand that it's 13,000 people. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the power of serving without anything else. You know, you just serve because it's the right thing to do. Don't serve because you're going to get something back, because you're going to be elevated, because the news are going to be here, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> that, does, that doesn't work. And that will help you also grow your own empathy, mm. you know. And conversations are so, so, so important. A one-on-one has always worked because, you know, you don't get the trust when you look different than people are. All you can do is say, I have, I'm here because... I have my best intentions in offering my presence and my help, you know, and I'm not going to be, because there's a lot of resentment in communities, right, that they see these newcomers who say they're going to, you know, invent the wheel. Right. (laughs) When we know that the wheel doesn't need to be invented, but we know that we we need an ally who can serve, not an ally who will use me as a stepping block. Mm-hmm. And that is the that is the mistrust that exists in, in communities, especially with people who are actually doing the work within community. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... And I'm, you know, I'm very... Um, and I, I'm getting old, but, mm-hmm. I'm, but I'm hoping that I, you know, I can pass the baton to others who 
who can do the same, especially the young people, because those are the ones who grew up with, you know, drills, you know, the gun drills in the schools. And that is so unfair because there's nobody who is going to convince me that a gun drill in schools doesn't doesn't worry a child and, and create, you know, a, a space where they're of fear for their safety. We didn't have that growing up. Now we do. And that is not fair. And they are, you know, there are organizations like March, March for Our Lives <coughs> who are working on that. We have a congressman right now. His name is uh, Maxwell Frost, who came from the March for Our Lives movement. Those are the young people that we need to put forth so that they can take the reins. They know best you know what we need to do and 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 they need to vote and they vote they they have the last election march for our lives was actually promoting uh the voting across the nation um for that same reason so i think the next generation should be coming soon other than later (laughs) yeah so before ricky was was taken did you ever have any clue that your life was going to take this turn and that you were going to, you know, have this this amazing, um, sustained effort to to contribute the way you are? Not at all. I mean, I was um, a homebody basically, and um, I had you know my my. Uh, my job, I had an antique store and I was a realtor and I lived my life and I was, you know, and I am naturally very shy. I just face my fear. Um, so, um, and the bubble burst. Yeah. And all of a sudden I see that there are streets where there's a lot of gun violence that I didn't see. And I, I, I saw that there was a lot of hurt in the community. I saw kids who actually were where they were because there was no support behind them. Mm. And that's very heartbreaking. Um, you know, even with Laquan McDonald, you know, yes, we know what happened to him. Do we really know his story, the story behind him? It's heartbreaking. And uh, people try, you know, you can, I think, was trying to support him and all that. But, you know, for for one thing, it really highlighted the issues that we have with uh, police abuse. Right. And that truly was uh, unfair that that guy um, was given so such little time in prison because he killed an innocent man, young man. We had Jamie Calvert on the show of the Invisible Institute. And okay. uh, he's the one that got the um, dash cam video uh, yeah. uh, released, so the world could see what happened to Laquan McDonald. And and um, he um, also, with Allison Flowers, produced a wonderful podcast called "Somebody" about yes. Shapiro Wells, who also was a mother who lost her son. Her bubble was burst, and mm-hmm. she. She um, she recorded her conversation with police officers, and it has her son was handcuffed to the gurney, 
and died in the ambulance. And he was he was shot and he drove himself to the police station. Mm-hmm. And it took 25 minutes for an ambulance to come and he was handcuffed. And he was a, an, an innocent um, victim of a, of a gunshot. And and I see um, parallels in your story and Shapiro's story. And of course, in Mamie Till's story. And Mamie Till said, you know, before this, I thought, that wasn't my business. But now I exactly. realize everything <laughs> is my business. Yes. Folks, we are all little cells inside of the same body. <laughs> Do you know how you have cells in your body? Well, we are all a cell. And we are all a cell in one body. And the body part that we're in is called Chicago. Right? It's a part of the body. It's like the wrist. But the earth is the body and the earth guess what is a cell inside of a larger body called the milky way and guess what the milky way is a cell inside of a larger body we are not only connected we are each other and as Gwendolyn Brooks said we are each other's business Maria Pike thank you so much for sharing um, your story, your your courage, your love with um, our show, Collaboration, Chicago, the country, and the whole body. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap it up? Um, uh, well, we are advo- advocating right now for um, the call the case bill in Springfield, and we're going to be going there on April. April 16th, and hopefully you will join us. Uh, that's one. Uh, and also we're trying to promote uh, Karina's bill. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you know uh, the story um, behind Karina. And um, let's um, let's keep moving. And, you know, you need to participate. You need to be, be part of, of, of the um, uh, force. Where do people go if they do want to join you in Springfield on the 16th? Um, well, um, you can go on, on Facebook and look for Moms to Demand Action, and um, and and you will be able to uh, to see our our announcement. Everybody's welcome to come. Last year we had about 600 uh, members, and there was a year where we had 900 members. And, um, you know, the governor uh, has given us um, their ear, his ear. Mm-hmm. So we are actually, you know, very happy with what has been happening in this in this state. And we hope that other states do this, the kind of work that he has been doing all along. Your son mm-hmm. m- must be so proud of you. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of him. <laughs> <laughs> what a great show. Thank you for Thank joining you, us. Maria. Hey, everybody, enjoy the day. It's Saturday, March 2nd, 2024. We are in the present moment right now, right now, and right now. <laughs> the past and the future don't actually exist. So get off your couch. Just keep on listening to WCPT Vibration Radio. Get out in the sunshine while yeah. we still have it. March for something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.